and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Katie. I'm Alan. And we're still married. And you know who else is married? Glenn and Karen Brown. Glenn and Karen. Thank you very much. for joining us, guys. How you doing? Great. We're doing great. Is the quarantine bringing you closer together as as a couple or... You know, showing that you need some alone time every so often. <laughs> there is no alone time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did leave to go get a shake by myself That's today. Yeah. Our kids are teenagers and they want to stay up to like one in the morning every night. And our alone time would be like seven in the morning. Oh, dear. That's not going to happen, yeah. is it? Alan and I went yeah. to go visit his mom and she's a missionary downtown Salt Lake. And we thought, oh, let's load up the kids. They can say hi to grandma from afar. But it was a total circus. Everyone was complaining and not listening. And we got home and Alan's like, why did we take the kids? We should have gone alone. <laughs> well, now we know. Now we know. Everyone that's listening here, Glenn and Karen, you guys, I mean, you remember this. You were one of the first couples that we met after we started the podcast. So it's been a little over two years that we've been kind of chatting with each other and I don't remember the name of the place, but it was the Mexican place. That is it. Yep. It's geckos off a hundred and hundred and fourth. Yeah, that's right. South Jordan. When we were there, this topic got brought up because your son was serving a mission and that is the, the focus of this episode. We would love to have you back if this is not a terribly traumatic uh, experience (laughs) to, Tell your full story. Today, we're going to focus on their experience of having a missionary out when Glenn experienced the transition of faith and how they dealt with that. It's particularly relevant today because of so many missionaries coming home. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of, pe- a lot of couples that are listening to this that are finding themselves in a similar situation of uh, this is coming nine months early. Mm-hmm. What do I do? How do we do this? Some of the decision is taken out of their hands, so they can't decide. <laughs> I'm going to tell them while they're out because here they come. Mm-hmm. But uh, we wanted to thank you even before you tell your story tonight, just for coming on and being vulnerable and talking about it. I know it's a it's a fun topic to get into. <laughs> it is a fun topic. Let's just start with the very basics. So we live in South Jordan, and we have four kids. Address, please. <laughs> yeah. so South Jordan is in Utah. For all the <laughs> that's, that's, as, that's as close as we're going to get. That's fair. We have one son. Uh, he's our oldest. And then we have three daughters. And um, our son actually just got married a mm-hmm. week and a half ago. So Our daughters are, the youngest is 13, so all of our kids are older. Yeah, 12. You know, 19, 16, and 13. Yeah. So. Well, so a few years ago, it's 2017, Mm -hmm. right? Glenn, you have a little crisis of faith. Would you call it a crisis of faith? How would you classify it? Yeah, it was actually 2016. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, Our son received his mission call. It was April 29th, 2016. I just looked it up today. Great time. You know, we had the big party the map on the wall and about a million people in our house, just the whole big Mormon missionary thing. It was really fun. He was due to go into the MTC in August, uh, shortly after his 18th birthday. And so that was the end of April. Well, sometime mid to the end of May, I don't remember the exact date, but that's kind of 
when I, I guess you, you say, went down the proverbial rabbit hole, right? That's when I started hearing things, learning things, and just basically got sucked into all that is the rabbit hole. Initially, I, I didn't talk to Karen about it. I didn't talk to anybody about it. It was scary, shameful, should I be doing this? What am I learning? All that fear. But at the same time, it was scary because I, I have a son who's prepping to go on a mission at the same time. And I'm like, three months from now, there's going to be a farewell. There's going to be taking him through the temple. There's going to be ordaining him as an elder. There's going to be all the family that comes. And I was still going to church, you know, and I was having all the the grief and heartache and mental anguish that comes with when you start going down the rabbit hole. And, and it was just really tough. I was probably killing myself for about a month or so before I told Karen that it was tough. It was hard, but luckily she stuck with me. We decided to, to, to go with it and work it out. So this is, you told her before your son left or was this after your son left? No, this was before. Okay. Before. Yeah. This was just a tender time because, you know, it's one of the biggest things for an LDS family to have a missionary go out to prep and everybody's so happy. And in my mind, I'm like, what am I doing? Should I, should I be teaching him the things I'm learning? Should he know this stuff before he goes out? Is it fair to do that? You know, and, and I, I looked back at my mission and I, I enjoyed my mission. I served in Guatemala. I loved it. Uh, I loved the culture. I loved the language. I learned seeing a world beside what I'd come to know, you know, that I grew up in. And I thought, you know, he's going to have all those experiences and he needs those. Karen and I kept it between ourselves. We didn't, we didn't think it was okay or at the time to talk to the kids about it. Well, you didn't know exactly where you were going to land yet. Either. Exactly. That's a good point. I didn't really know where I was going to land. I was like, is this just a phase? Am I going to bounce back through? When the time came to ordain him an elder, I was kind of like, can I do this? I mean, I guess technically I'm still an elder. I hold the priesthood because I'm having questions of whether it's real or not. I guess that doesn't really matter. I had gone into the bishop. When I first started down the rabbit hole, I went into my bishop in a panic and told him the things I was learning. So yeah, he knew what kind of where I was. He knew the doubts I was having. He knew that I, I flat out told him, I don't know if I can say I believe the church is true right now. He didn't have any answers for me. He was nice, but when it came time to ordain Justin, I, I told him that I feel like I can still do it. And he agreed with me. Today, I wouldn't do it. I don't think. I don't think that I would. I think I've just changed in you know where I'm at right now that I, I yeah. don't think I would do it for myself rather than put up the appearance. You know, we went through the temple with Justin, with our son. <laughs> it was wonderful for him, I suppose, and it really wasn't for me. That was the last time I ever went through the temple. I guess we we got to we we had his farewell it was it was fun to have the farewell the family came everything good and i you know nobody in the family knew yet we hadn't shared with parents grandparents siblings even our own children so this was just a closely guarded secret and he went on his mission 
he went to the MTC. So Karen, first question for you is a, a, a big one. <laughs> How was, you know, Glenn talked about his experience with the, uh, it was a little difficult to do the ordination going mm-hmm. into the temple was very difficult for him. Was it a, just a joyous, sobering occasion for you that this, that whole getting your son out and those milestones of going into the temple and everything. <coughs> you recall what was going through your heart and head during those moments? I mean, that was a really hard time. I think that time and even like into the first year of his mission, it was just all so fresh and raw and it was really hard. And there was a lot to do to get him ready. And he's a great kid, but he didn't, wasn't really motivated as far as like preparing himself. And so I felt a lot of the burden of helping to get him ready to go and doing the shopping and stuff. It was really, really hard. So there was a lot of pressure on me at that time and from a lot of different sources. But as far as like the milestones of like taking him to the temple and stuff, I loved that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I kind of compartmentalized and, you know, tried to enjoy what I could, but there was a lot of and hard things at that time. It really wasn't fair when I look back on it, but Karen did it all. She was contacting the stake president. She was setting up the appointments, making the reservations for the temple. I wasn't doing anything because I was just so wallowing in my own. I don't even know if this is real anymore. And it was, it was really tough. So I wasn't much help, you know. I wasn't any help, really, I don't think. Karen, was that how you took it? Was it like, oh, my gosh, I have to do everything because he's not doing it? Or was it, uh, I don't know, what the extra tasks, how did that feel for you? Well, I recognized that he was not involved, but I also understood kind of why. And I felt like, it, like, like he said, at that point, it was really hard for us to have healthy communication about it. And so I almost felt like if he tried to take it on or be involved, it would almost like, poison the moment a little bit mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense and I want yeah, to yeah, it does. Sure. enjoy with with our son you know the times that the things that we did and the things that we needed to do to get ready so it, I recognized that I was doing it by myself but I I didn't really want it to be any other way at the same time I think it was Julia days of Hanks that that said yeah for the for the spouse who feels like it's still important to have their children have a, a religious spiritual experience in their lives. It yeah, is. it is on you. It is on you. And yeah. that's, that's not a, a shot at the one that uh, doesn't participate in those things anymore. If, if it's important to you, you need to be the one to do it. Right. I'm thinking about, he, you know, he goes on the mission and you help support him, right? Both financially and physically and mentally and emotionally to get him all sent out. And then he starts writing letters home weekly. Where did he go again? He went to Argentina. 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 Okay, so emails, right? Shamo um, Elder Brown. Yeah. yeah, so so he he's out and and what what is that like receiving weekly emails from from him? What is it like for both of you? Glenn? So first, you know, the emails he went to the MTC in Provo and right off the bat they're they're just completely immersed in church right they're just and it was good i was he was he was happy he was happy and and that made me happy but i was also seeing you know i've 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 been to the mtc and i was seeing in his emails and in the things they were doing i was seeing what i perceived as heavy indoctrination in the mtc and what he was talking about through his emails and 
part of that bothered me, but I, you know, I'm like, you know what, this is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil this for him. I'm not going to, you know, say, no, you know, you, there's another way to look at it, or you don't have to believe that, or you don't have to believe that you're going to be cursed or punished if you, you know, go to sleep to, you know, 10 minutes late, you know, but, but his emails were happy and he was learning. He was learning Spanish. One thing about our son is when, when he was a teenager and at home, I mean, he was, he's a good kid, but there was times we just couldn't wait for him to get out of the house. You know, teased his sisters. He was all rolled up in his friends, kind of an entitled South Jordan kid. And, well, you and him butted heads a lot. we butted heads a lot. <laughs> just, we, we both were both like, type A personalities, so we butt heads, we, you know, my way's right, his way's right, and it was good to see him out there and starting to learn lessons, and, and, and more so when he got to Argentina, to, like, start to recognize that he's there to help people, and he sees that the world is not what he thought it was, and that people live in true poverty, and, you know, and really the blessings, the, the lifestyle he had, and has here and his opportunities really seeing that. And for me, that was worth everything to see. Mm. Yeah. You've got opportunities that most people in the world can't even dream of. Did that help with some of the pain that you, that you felt? I mean, do you feel like the good outweighed the bad then? I did. One thing that I did too, like Karen said, just, our son and I, we, we butt heads a bit, you know, growing up or when he was growing up. One thing I decided to do, I resolved to write him, email him. You know, this is in the day before they could call home every, every week. So I resolved that I would email him every single week as much as possible. And I did. And I knew someday out in the future, two years from now, there's going to be that reconciliation where we're face to face and the secret comes out. Cause you know, I guess we can talk a little bit more about what our plan was, but I'm like, I've got to start putting pennies in that piggy bank and I've got to build that relationship. If he does if he only hears from me a couple times in the next two years, and then I drop this bomb on him, there's no relationship to salvage. But I thought, you know, if I am there weekly, if I'm emailing him and, we can have this relationship for the next two years. That's going to help. I think that's the best thing I did. I loved his emails. They were just to see him like, like Glenn was saying, you know, to have him see, have that transformation where he's shown gratitude and humility. And before he left on his mission, he wouldn't step foot in Walmart. Like he was so above Walmart. There was on one of the areas in his mission, there was a Walmart there. And that was like huge because they have nothing. He was in like the poorest of the poor part of Argentina of, of Buenos Aires. And he was so, when he wrote home, he was so excited that they had gotten to go to Walmart and he was actually like um, emailing us from Walmart and he was just going on about how great it was that he was in Walmart. <laughs> and, and you're like, is this my son? Right? Exactly. <laughs> Who are you? But to just see the changes. And it was like instant, like the first email we got from him. It oh, was yeah. like, it was like, he was a different person. He it was, was amazing. a different person. And, and then, you know, of course I start thinking, wow, you know, is there something to this, you know, but it, it wasn't really causing me to rethink the direction I was going. 
but I think it was more just he's he's focused on something besides himself, yeah. right? And and although I at times kind of disagreed with maybe it's tough because as a parent you want to support your child, but on the flip side you're like I don't necessarily agree with what he's doing. You know, he's he's out preaching and trying to baptize people when I don't believe this church anymore. How can I support this? How can you know? But um, but then I also think that we've been preparing him for this his whole life. How can I suddenly at the last moment say no? Right. Um, I, I want to go back a little bit about what my plan was. I mentioned I, I was I, I resolved to email him all the time, but I decided from the beginning I wasn't going to tell him while he was out on his mission, at least not initially. Um, and the reason what was your, that, yeah, what was your thinking behind that? My thinking was I was a missionary and I know when you're a missionary, all you think about is the church. That's it. That's your sole focus, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. And I knew if I told him where I was, it would probably shock him. But then his his goal of his mission might be to convert me. He would be preaching to me through his emails, things like that. And I didn't want that. And I didn't want to ruin his mission. I didn't want him worrying about dad back home instead of wants to be doing out in Argentina. So, well, and you were worried, too, about... His mission president and what he would, how he might try to talk to Justin and influence he might try to have. Yeah. If he knew and maybe try to undermine your role yeah. as a father a little bit. Yeah. His mission president seemed kind of like a tough nut from what just some of the things Justin said. Maybe there's none again. Our son <laughs> said. <laughs> oh, well, his name's Justin. <laughs> He's not going to listen to this. But, uh, <laughs> I was kind of afraid of that. I thought if he went in and told his mission president about this, I don't know what advice the president's going to give him. The president might be like, yeah, your dad's an apostate. You need to limit your interaction with him. You know, don't email him, you know, or I, I don't know. So, so well, like you said, that was in the days before we could communicate, <coughs> like talk on the phone or, or yeah. so it was just emails and now it's maybe a little bit different yeah. where you'd be able to have that chance to talk face to face but we didn't so, have that option so my plan was i also didn't initially i didn't want to wait until he got home because i could just see you know the coming off the plane the big party at the airport and he's just happy and then we go home and say by the way i left the church and just the total absolute crashing down you know, the go from the highest high to the lowest low in like no time. And I'm like, that's not fair. I don't want to do that to him either. So I thought I'll wait until he's about three months before he comes home. That way the majority of his mission is done. We can tell him at that point how didn't know, figured, Oh, we'll email. We might call. Maybe I'll get special permission. I can call him and then I'll tell him he's going to be mad but he'll have three months still in, in his mission to stew on it, to think about it. We can keep emailing back and forth and kind of work that out. And then that way, when he comes home, he's, you know, maybe he won't be so mad and we can talk. So that was my plan. Now that's not exact. That's not what happened. We'll talk about that later, but that was my plan of just, you know, kind of keeping him in the dark and, and kind of, 
turning on the light three months from from his come home date. I think that a lot of parents listening to this can relate because none of us want to feel undermined by anyone, right? Or made to feel like the bad guy. And I think that your choice to just be as communicative and supportive and loving as possible was probably like the greatest thing you could have done. I mean, I see a lot of parallels with that and in your own relationship with your spouse and with the people that you want to stay close with, right? You know, you got to keep those lines of communication open and just be loving and supportive despite how you may squirm at some of the things they say, right? Because, I mean, I I have, you know, I, I'll say this. I have a sister on a mission right now. She's in Tonga, and we actually think she's coming home tomorrow. She's with that big group of missionaries all being sent home. She'll send things out, and and I'll just, like, grimace and smile at the same time because I feel like um, there's – there's like a, there's a, just some innocence there, right? Life experience. They lack life experience. They lack a lot of things, but gosh darn it, they are doing great and they're happy. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. So I remember, Alan, do you remember when we met them for dinner? I had a chimichanga. You had a chimichanga. <laughs> but I remember one of the first things you said was, yeah, our son's on a mission. He doesn't that he doesn't know yet where we're at. And wow. and I remember thinking like trying to rack my brain like okay, what could we tell him that would be helpful but we had nothing. <laughs> Cuz this is this is not our territory. We don't have kids that age. So tell us what what so happened. How, how did it end up occurring? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you said that because that I felt that, you know, I I went to a few of the Mormon stories retreats and things and would try to meet people there and I met a few people who had missionaries out but they had left the church beforehand so the missionary knew Um, I met people I never found anybody in my situation I never did find anybody who basically went through this while a missionary was out and and so I in that sense I kind of felt alone and I didn't have anyone to come to for go to for advice and and uh, ask questions. So I felt like I was kind of winging it on my own to come up with what's the best plan. And he was it just stressed him out. Like he was really really worried for a long time about um, how this was going to go and how Justin how the relationship would be affected. It was something that caused him a lot of stress. I just looked at a parallel of. This is this was kind of like to me knowing the day you're going to die. If you knew that the very day you're going to die in the future, you try to live life, but every day that gets closer. You know, knowing my son's going to be coming home in in August of 2018, that's my death day, right? That's when everything changes. Uh, that's when I may not have a son anymore, depending on how he takes it, you know, and it was terrifying. And so as that day got closer and everybody's excited, oh, you're so excited for your son to come home. It's like, yeah, but inside I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, this should be one of the most joyous occasions in my life. And it terrified me. I, I would cry sometimes. I, I was just horrified by it and I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I just kept plugging along with the emails 
people may ask, maybe people are wondering, well, if you, what did you talk about on your emails? And I just didn't talk about church. I, I was a dad. I told him about life at home. I told him about things I was doing at work. I'd tell him about things I'd go do on weekends or some, sometimes reminisce about things he and I had done together. And I think something he really liked, though, was when you would pull out your old missionary journal and he'd talk about something and he'd be like, oh, I had a, a similar experience to this. And so he'd share, yeah. he'd share your missionary experiences with yeah. him. I think he really liked that. There was a couple times he was going through some tough times with companions and I had a companion I had a hard time with. And yeah, Karen, I, I pulled out my missionary journal and I typed in an entry about my hard time with a companion. And he really liked that. And he even said, man, it's like, you get it, dad. You've been here. I'm like, yeah, I do. (laughs) Karen, did you see like how this was going? Like how you thought he should tell your son? Like, did you have like an idea in your head of what wanted, what you wanted to say? we kind of talked about it together. You know, it wasn't just Glenn's plan. It was kind of our plan. And so we kind of were working together trying to figure out what would be the least traumatic for Justin and the the chance for the best resolution. So it was kind of something that we discussed a lot together. And so we both came up together with the three months before plan. And then we, when that plan changed, we came up with a new plan together as well. It was, it was very much a joint decision. Because we both, you know, when it came down to it, we both just wanted what was best for him and for the relationships. And so we really did just work together on that. You're luck. I wouldn't say you're lucky. Your, your efforts were well rewarded, <laughs> I should say. That a lot of times it's easy to forget that we often have the same goal, right, as a, as a married couple or as parents. of We both want the best for our kids to preserve the relationship but then when it comes to the tactics to get there, <laughs> right. we disagree. And mm-hmm. if you, sometimes if you can take, take a step back and you can say, look, we have the, we have the same goal. That's, that's really, really good. That's really, really good. Now we just have to align on the tactics. Yeah. Yeah. You guys had the, it seems like you had, as far as the goal of preserving a relationship in how you uh, handle this situation, you were aligned with the tactics as well. Yeah. Yeah. A whole experience in the last, few years there have been plenty of things we have disagreed on but this was one that we were pretty much in line with we didn't you know this didn't cause us any problems between the two of us because we really were on board with each other on this but mind you this whole faith journey was still new to us during all this oh yeah it was a tough time we were going through our own hard Uh, times we were we were dealing with family you know during this time we we did talk to our family and siblings and in-laws and daughters and our children at home and talked about that and so we went through all that in each case we told people please don't say anything to Justin on his mission if you send him an email don't mention anything about you got your work cut out for you when your dad comes home or anything like that i said if And I gave people warnings. I said, if you do that, there's going to be trouble from me. He's my son. This is my story. You do not have a right to interfere with this. And, every, you know, luckily everybody adhered to that. You know, I, that was one of my biggest worries was some well-meaning family member or well-meaning ward member might tip him off that something's up. But nobody did. Yeah. So that was a... a a good thing, you know, mm-hmm. that people respected that. I can hear and feel everyone's 
breath being held. <laughs> Let's let them breathe a little bit. So he ended up coming home before you told him, right? Yes. How long after he returned did you tell him? How long had it been? At the airport still? No. <laughs> we gave him two days. The day after he got home was his birthday. Yeah. And we oh. thought, we can't do that. Nope. Nope. So. Okay, so I want to, our original plan I mentioned was to, three months before he comes home, right. tell him. What made you scratch that one? Three months came, and it's like, oh, man, here it is. Can we do this? Are we ready? And then we just started thinking about it again. It's like, is this the right thing to do? And we debated it. We even threw it out there on some Facebook groups, both you know, non-favorable to the church and favorable to the church web Facebook groups. And about three-quarters of people suggested waiting until he got home, and they gave good reasons. Some of the reasons were that's a really emotional thing. You need to be there and hug him. You need to look him in the eye and, and reassure him. And if you're on the phone or on a video chat, you can't do that. Or email. <laughs> or email or timing. Maybe he's only got a half hour to talk, and right in the middle of all this, he has to go. And the other thing was, Who's going to support him? What if he goes to his mission president and the mission president, again, is not supportive and tells him to distance himself from his dad? And, and we really wanted to just be able to hug him and hold him. And, it's, you know, and we're like, we can't do that if he's 4,000 miles away. Well, and part of our reasoning, like Glenn mentioned before, was that they would maybe have some time to come to terms with it before he came home. And then we got kind of thinking and we're like, is that maybe a little bit selfish that it would save yeah. us from having to bear the brunt of seeing him in pain, but then we're leaving him to suffer that pain without us, you know? And we thought maybe the right thing is to, for us to have to suffer through that as well with him, you know, and to kind of be there when he's really hurting. Well, and, and the other thing too, is we thought it'll ruin his mission. That's all. He, Alan, you served a mission. What area do you remember the best? Or, uh, you did too, Katie. That's right. <laughs> well, for me anyway, the, the area that I remember the most is the last one I served in because it's most fresh in my memory. And I thought, if I drop this bomb on Justin at the end of his mission, this is what he's going to remember about his mission, is that his dad left the church and dropped the bomb on him. And yeah. So we made the decision not to. And it's interesting, the very next email we got from him, that was like a day Monday, later. Yeah. he wrote to us and he said, I am so pumped. I've got the language down. I, I know what I'm doing. I know how to teach. I'm in a good area. I'm in a good companion. I want to finish my mission strong. I want to work my butt off till the day I go home because I'll never be as good as I am now. And he said, I don't want anything to distract I don't want anything me. to distract me. And we're like, okay. okay. <laughs> he, he basically just confirmed it. We don't want to mess that up for him so that's when we decided we'll wait till he gets home and we'll figure that out <laughs> well then you're in the situation that a lot of listeners are in right now because right. yep, absolutely yep, so their theories are either on their way or already here and, and it's their their timeline to tell them right what's and going on with that in many of the cases they they're telling them and then they're stuck in a house with them for at least oh. a <laughs> so one thing i did it was about a week before he got home and I'd been meaning to do this for months, but it was just too hard to sit down and do. And I kept putting it off. 
but it was very important that I do this before he got home and not after. Um, I sat down and I wrote him a letter. And it turned out to be about seven or eight pages long. But the letter was not about bashing the church. It really, there was no specifics about church stuff, really like historical or anything in the church. The letter was basically about, and I just reread it today, which was hard because I haven't read it for a couple of years. It was basically the emotion that I went through during that time, how, what it's like to be part of a community and then not be, what it's like to feel alienated, the stress in the marriage, the, the, the worry about how is he going to receive me, you know, um, the fear, just all of that, you know, and, uh, and I wanted to capture that before he got home. And, and so I sat down and I just kind of, I wrote my journey without getting into the specifics. I didn't get into the specifics of historical things or policy. I just, I wrote the emotional and toll that it had taken. And then my fear that always in the back of my mind is how, how is Justin going to take this? You know, and I sure hope that he takes it well or as best as possible. I hope he doesn't reject me and I hope you don't reject me and stuff. So I got that letter written and put it in an envelope for him. And then, you know, he came home, he came home. We had our plan in place, you know, that that day is his day. It's his day to shine in the sun. It's all about him being happy, and I was happy to see him. This wasn't, you know, it, it was scary, but it was, I wore, I made sure I was wearing clothing so that it wasn't obvious I wasn't wearing garments, right? Because those are the things you worry about. I didn't want to ask, have him asking questions. So we picked him up with the grandparents. We hugged. We, we went to lunch. We drove around town, showed him how everything had changed. He was talking in his funny accent, so we were just laughing and having a great time with him. And he was just such a happy kid, right? Just so happy to be back. And all the fun stuff with missionaries, you know, they're amazed at how America is compared to the third world country they've been in forever. And, and, you know, he unloaded all of his souvenirs and gave us stuff. And it was just fun. That was a great day. And Karen mentioned the very next day was his birthday. So we decided we don't no. want to ruin his birthday. <laughs> no. So it's just another day for him. Another day for him. So we, we made a plan the next day. We're going to take him to lunch. We decided to just get sandwiches and we went to a park. Just, just us three. And we didn't make a big deal of it. We just said, Hey, Justin, we're going to go get some sandwiches, go to lunch at a park. And he's like, okay. You know, he's got nothing better to do. <laughs> so. So we went up to a park and sat down and were eating. This was hard for me because he was still just so bright-eyed and happy and just loving it. And I'm thinking I'm going to take that dagger out and stick it right in his heart right now. And, you know, and so I just said, you know, you've been noticing how much everything has changed at home since you left. Physically, you know, buildings are built and thing, new subdivisions, all that. And I said, there's something else that's changed. I've changed. I'm like, I, I don't go to church anymore. And he kind of looked like, yeah, right. 
kind of shrugged it like, whatever, dad. And he looked over to Karen and Karen was teary eyed and nodding her head. And she's like, it's true. And, and I, I said, I haven't gone to church in over a year. And he looked at us and then he just put his head down on the bench and cried. Mm. And that was hard. And we just sat there in silence and let him cry for a minute or so. And he lifted up his head and he looked right at me and he said, so did I just waste two years of my life? And how did you, how did you take that question? Was he, was it like a throw in your face type of question or? I don't know. Even to this day, I don't really know what his intention was like. Meaning, I don't know if he was wondering, dad, from your standpoint, did I waste my life? Or dad, if it's really not true, did I just waste my life? You know, I don't know how he was intending that. But I answered him and said, only you can answer that question. I can't answer that. I said, I'll tell you how I see it, though. I said, before you left, you were a self-centered, conceited, kind of a (laughs) teenage kid who cared nothing about anything but yourself. I said, you've gone to another country. You've shared the church and the gospel with people who did need it. There are people whose lives are better because of the church. You learned a language. You learned how to care about people. You learned how to work hard. You learned how to live in circumstances that are you'll probably never live in again. And you've really been focused on something other than yourself, where before all you cared about was yourself. That's invaluable. So no, you didn't waste your time. Talked, I gave him the letter. I said, I, I wrote this for you. I said, you don't need to read it now. You can read it when when you're ready. But I said, I would like you to read it. I said, it's a safe letter. There's nothing in here that's going to shatter your testimony. There's nothing in here that's scary, that's going to you know, unlock the boogeyman of the church on you. It's, 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 a, it's a letter about me and what I went through, and it's for you. And he got up and gave me a big hug. I told him I was, I said, well, the biggest fear for this, Justin, out of all this is that you would reject me. You wouldn't want anything to do with me anymore. And that's been my biggest fear for the last two years. I said, I have not been looking forward to this day. He got up and gave me the hug and he's like, you're, you're still my dad. That was, that was awesome. We were all teary. And then, and then I thought, you know, maybe there's things he wants to ask that he doesn't want me around. So I, I offered to leave. I, I said, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go for a walk and you can, talk to mom here for a while and and I did I just left and walked around the block and do you want to talk a little about that I don't really know what yeah you guys Karen, Karen like I can see you're wiping away tears <laughs> I'm wiping away tears because this is such a it's so tender um a hard hard day for all oh so hard how did um, how did you deal with it when what did you talk to him about what did he ask you what did you tell him oh boy I wish I could remember more specifics. It was a lot of reassuring him that things were still okay and that everything was good. And that, you know, even though his dad had 
you know, changed his view of the church that that he was still the same person and that and that he still, you know, just loved the family and you know wanted to do what he felt was best. And so it was a lot of that. And he asked specific questions. Well, does he drink beer now? And I said no. And you know, is he gonna? What has he told the girls? And so there were there were a few things that he you know asked specific questions about. But I think that my job at that point was to kind of just be reassuring and just let him know that it was it was okay and that it would be okay and that even though he felt like the world had just dropped out from underneath him that that it would be okay. Karen, if you had if if this if you had told him before he left on his mission, uh-huh. do you think you could have been as reassuring as you were when he was when he got home? Oh boy, I have no idea how he would have reacted before his mission. I think that it would not he wasn't ready to hear that that before his mission, I don't think. It it would have gone bad. It could have gone bad in different ways. It could have gone bad to where he was mad at at Glenn. It could have gone bad to where oh I don't know. I don't think it would have gone well. I think you would have condemned me. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't in a place where he was um ready before he left. How about you? I mean Yeah, what about you, Karen? You had just experienced two years of me still being a good person. Way back in the beginning, you were in just as unknown territory. Oh, how would I was. have talked to Justin then? Right. Oh, because that was harder. I, I just see, like, you know, when you do make this decision to finally tell friends and family, usually you're on the same page and you've decided it's going to work. You're going to work it out. Yeah. Right. And and so you're in a good place. At least you're in a place where um you know you want to move forward in your relationship, so that when you tell people. Um, it, it's, you can reassure them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is how it, it was. It's probably really helpful that you were there to tell him, look, I'm still with your dad. He's still a good person. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if we had talked to him before his mission, I probably wouldn't have been ready to be reassuring either. To be honest with you, I probably would have been a mess. So that would have been hard. I guess for us, it was fortunate that it worked out the timing Mm -hmm. the way it did because when things are just so raw it's hard to be reassuring you know because you don't even know yourself how things are going to play out so that definitely would have been a lot more challenging for me to 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 say the things that needed to be said right so I mean you tell him let's see it says he got home it's his birthday you tell him and then he's got a mission homecoming is that right yeah. Well, well, we did decide when we were talking to the bishop about planning the homecoming. Um, we didn't want him to have to do a homecoming the day after. Well, he hearing. was supposed to speak in the church the Sunday after he came home. Yeah, that well, that's what the bishop wanted. He came home on a Wednesday, yeah. and he was supposed to speak that Sunday. Well, it wasn't. I mean, it never got scheduled, but that's what the bishop wanted to do, and we're like, no, no. But he was pushing to, too because yeah. he's like, oh, we've got high council meeting, and it yeah. really works, and this, and. But we knew that that, that he Justin needed more time to process. And we, so we decided to plan a camping trip, um, too, that we could have time to really spend together as a family to just, just kind of be apart from everything and just, you know, just have that time to just be a family. Um, so we did that before. Did we tell him we're going camping, so we're not going to be here? Or did we tell the bishop why? We, no, because we went to church that Sunday. We, we did. Well, not you, but. Um, I think, yeah, but, that first Sunday he came back, I didn't go to church. Yeah. Um, I could have, but I thought he needs to see this is real. Mm. And so I, I didn't. Yeah. I went and did whatever I do on Sundays. And yeah. 
And I think that might have been more like, wow, dead, dead really doesn't go to church. Yeah. And then we took like four or five days that next week and just spent time together as a family camping. And then he had his homecoming. So I think that was good because I can't imagine him trying to get up there and give his homecoming speech where two days before he just found out that his own father essentially left the church. So yeah, I think having that week recuperation time. So I think anybody going through, if, if they're going through a situation like ours, where you're telling them when they get home for the first time, try to work something out with your bishop. <laughs> There's to, no church now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there will be. When church starts up again. That is a good point. When the apocalypse is over and they're having church again, to give your missionary sufficient time to bounce back from this if you're telling them for the first time when they get home. Right. Do you think that your approach to the the situation you were in, do you think it's changed your relationship at all? Or do you feel like it's the same or it's would, would you have changed the approach if you could have, or do you think, you know, this is all things being said, this is really the best way we could have done it. I think this is the best way we could have done it. I agree. I wouldn't I, have done anything different. One thing I, I didn't mention earlier, I wanted to make sure I mentioned was I told him that day at the park, I said, there are very specific reasons why I've made the decision I've made. There are very specific things that really bother me and trouble me, but I'll leave it up to you to ask. So I'm not going to dump any of this on you. If you want to ask more details later on, I'd be happy to answer any question you've got. And I've stuck to that for the most part. In the in the coming months after he came home, we we went camping, we went motorcycle riding, fishing, doing father son things, and I never brought up church. I never said, "Did you know about this?" You know, I just I didn't go there. There was one time we were driving, and he started to ask some questions, and so I was giving him answers, and he reverted to missionary mode of, "Well, you just can't believe everything you read, Dad." I'm like, "But everything I read is sourced and cited and true," and so yes, you can. And, and I just, I'm like, this isn't going anywhere. So yeah. we just kind of dropped it. But but I stuck to that of, I feel like if, if I try and push things on him, it's just going to drive him away. So just didn't. And yeah, I, I, I think I would probably wouldn't change anything we did. Do you feel like your relationship has changed or do you feel like you have a good relationship with him and... I think I have a better relationship with him now than I did when before he went on his mission. Oh, for sure. Because he was just kind of a bratty teenager. You know, a lot of that just comes with maturity, you know, as he's gotten older. But, you know, one thing I'll tell you, and I think we may have told you guys earlier, but, you know, he just recently got married. Yeah. And when they got married and when he got engaged, he said to his fiancée, one thing I'm not going to bend on is I want to have a civil wedding first and then get sealed in the temple after because I want my dad to be there. Mm. And that's not something that is, I'm going to compromise on. Oh, what a good boy. Yeah. That's great. And I was like, woohoo. So that's a big, you know, cause that's something that I'd been fearing my whole life is missing my kids' weddings. So he did that the way I, that was a gift to me. He did that for me. He didn't do that for Karen. He did it for me. You know, now he's moving on with his life and trying to figure out married and finish school. So I kind of miss 
honestly, that time when I was emailing him every week during a mission, we talked a lot more then than we do now. Um, and I do kind of miss that. I, I look back at really missing that constant communication with him. And I mean, I guess I could still do it. <laughs> Why are you emailing me, Dad? I know. There's that oh, structure, Dad. the structure to the mission that yeah. lends itself to the emails. Yeah, yeah. I, I think of the people who are having missionaries come home right now, like kind of unexpected. They, they, we've had people in our neighborhood that, you know, they get calls from their missionary and say, "Yeah, I'm coming home next week," or in two days, or in two we have days, tomorrow coming home, and. Some come home and stay, you know, their, their time is almost up. So they're staying home. Their mission's done. Some are going to just 14 day quarantine and then they'll probably be reassigned. And I don't know what I can say to people in, you know, if, if you're out and your kid doesn't know, and they're only going to be home for 14 days. I don't know if you're not ready. Maybe you fake it for two weeks. Maybe you go to church, you know, maybe you don't, I guess that's up for each person person no to church. figure out oh that's right there's no church you don't have to go to church home church home church this, is, this makes it easier you can do home church you know i guess that's up for each individual um family to decide if if our missionaries home for a period of time do we use this and, and talk about it and tell them do we not and everybody has to navigate that showed a really good model of especially in the middle of where your relationship itself and you're having to figure this out where you are able to come together and, and have a plan and a, and an idea of this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. So I, th- I think that's a really good place to start. Glenn, you said it very eloquently that every situation is different. Some, some missionaries may be coming home only for a couple of days and then they have an apartment already, already picked out or who knows They they may not be home for very long the situations vary wildly. So as long as the couples are, they come together uh, that day that, that is dreaded is, is coming. It's here. It's going to be hard regardless. But if, if the couple can be on the same page, I think it makes it a whole lot easier at least to yeah. be able to do it together. Can I just say Alan and I went to the reception and <laughs> It was, it was so, so sad. It was so fun. It was and our last public event before everything got <laughs> before shut we down. all got shut down. Yeah. It was so it was so lovely to see just how much Karen, especially you, love your son. Oh, we're so tight. And, and just you were dancing with him, and it was just it just like it warmed my heart. It just it just was so happy. You could just he had tell his head in your shoulder. I know it was so sweet. It was just so cute. So um. Yeah, I just can tell that you guys have such a great relationship with him. And kudos mm-hmm. to both of you for really um, just making the best decision for your family. And uh, I'm glad that it, it turned out so well. I, we really, really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this. I know that there's so many people that are in um, anxious anxiety mode because they are they're at that spot where they have to tell their kids. So yeah. terrifying. It really is. <laughs> right. Any from either of you, any last words of, uh, of advice or something that you wanted to say that you haven't had a chance to say yet? I just think the word of advice would be kind of like what we talked about is when you're making this decision, do what's best for the missionary, right? Put their, their well being how, how it's going to affect them. It would be really easy for somebody to say, 
well, I need to be, I need to hold to my truth and I need to tell them where I am. It's like, maybe you don't, maybe not right now. Maybe that's not the best thing for them. So just do what's best for your child and your missionary and the other stuff you can work out later. I think that that advice holds really true to both parents of missionaries, but also there are siblings out there. I have a sibling on a mission. Um, Lots of people out there who have siblings and loved ones who are also on missions. So this is very good advice for family members as well. If you're in a faith transition, think about your sibling first before you decide how to proceed to talk to them. So I I love that piece of advice. Karen, anything from you? I think as the um, person in the marriage who's still in the, who still goes to church, um, it would be really easy to, um, when the missionary comes home, to kind of like, you know, because I think that had he thought that I would go there, I think that our son could have gone to the whole, can you even believe that dad would do this? You know, how could he do this? And, and had I kind of humored that, then it, it could have led to, a damaging of the relationship. Yeah. And him so, teaming up against me. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad I've got somebody yeah. that is on my side. And it would have been really easy to do that because you do kind of feel that I haven't had somebody who really agrees with me, you know, so it would be really easy to kind of go down that way. But I think it's important to, in that position, you know, to have the solidarity with your spouse and really have their back. Oh, what a, that's a really, really great message. And one that perfect way to end. Yeah, it's great. We've, we've had to have each other's backs to a lot of different people, but not our kids. Cause our kids, while they're bugging the crap out of us from <laughs> being at home all the time, they still are little kids that look up to us as mom and dad, that being able to do uh, stand up for your spouse and have their back with your child is, is a great way to, to wrap up the conversation. Glenn, Karen, thank you so much. Looking forward to our next yeah. chimichanga. Right, we gotta do this again. <laughs> as soon as we can get out. Uh, right. We'll plan for like June or something. Right. <laughs> Thanks so much for, for joining us on Marriage on a Tightrope. You're welcome. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Karen and Glenn for being on. I thought That's that, Karen with an I. That's Karen with an I. That was an excellent interview with them. To even if you don't have a missionary that's coming home, you're able to to listen to that and have have some good empathy for them and and learn from that situation so that if you are in that situation in the future, you know a little bit better of how may be a good way of handling it. Shockingly, we have quite a lot of time on our hands, Alan. A lot of evenings. We're not doing a lot of uh, date nights or anything like that. Travel plans have all been canceled. And what does that mean to you, the listener? It means that we would love to interview you. So if you have just thought, I would like to tell my story. I have something interesting to say. We would love to hear from you. So please, you can email us at marriage on a tightrope. You can jump on gmail.com. gmail.com. You can jump on Facebook, on Instagram, and let us know that you would like to be interviewed because we have all of a sudden maybe time to do two episodes a week. Are we going to commit to that? Oh my gosh. Don't make me commit to that. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. How's that? Maybe? Maybe. Is that good for commitment? You know what would be fun? <gasps> what? Is if we did a live like feed. I, th- I was testing that on Facebook today. Like a, a live, live feed podcast? While we do that and do like a little Q&A or something? Yeah, that would be fun. Would that be fun for people? Maybe. I Maybe think so. Maybe they're sick of us. 
I'm sick of us. I am too. We would love to hear more stories and tell more stories. So please contact us there. The other oh, no, you may be saying something similar, but I wanted to say we are almost full. Our workshop is almost at capacity. Yes, it is. So if you would like to grab one of the last spots, there really are only a couple left. You can go to workshop on a tightrope at eventbrite.com. That's E-V-N-T. E-V-E-N-T, B-R-I-T-E dot com, and search for uh, Workshop on a Tightrope in the online event section. Uh, you can also see the information on our in our Facebook group or on Instagram. We posted about there a little bit as well. And, there's... and if you sign up by the end of the month, you still get the Flourish Masterclass. Taught by Natasha Helver Parker um, on sex and on intimacy. Sex and intimacy. So that's a major bonus if you sign up by March 31st. Plus, we have a couple spots left. So that's we right. are very excited for those couples who've already signed up. And we can't wait to get going because what else do you have to do in your life besides read COVID memes <laughs> and watch? Watch Tiger King on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. we're going to go watch Tiger King right now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Marriage in a Tight Rope. We'll see you on the flippity flop. We're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave because it changes what you need. You can change right next to me. When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go Grow as we go Grow as we go grow as we go